This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Melanie Nazelrod, Guillaume Berube, Trace Taylor, Michael Feiweger. He's doing this on purpose now. Russell Cat, Raymond Caritas, Devin Perlick, Royce McQuee Third, if that is his real name, Terry Keller, and Edwin Edelsberger. Fine and faithful spoilerites all, and next week I'm going to have a funny accent for every other syllable. But this one goes out to them. That was a rough list. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this Issue! A freakish, giant, floating, bald head from beyond assembles a team of superhumans from various backgrounds and tasks them with great deeds. Then he told us we had to review comics. Featuring Dino Ranger Blue, Rodrigo, Magic Ranger Red, Matthew, Professor Ranger Yellow, Steven, and Candy Bracelet Ranger Fuchsia. Oh, what's his face? Together, we are mighty, we are amorphous, we are rangers, and we are on the air. Welcome to issue 514 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, Rodrigo. How are you? I'm good. Matthew, and you? I am well. And young Zach. I'm stupendous. Okay. (laughs) Such enthusiasm this week on the show. Oh, it's awesome. Later, we will talk about uh, Crater Stadium. But first, let us get to some news. A couple of uh, big items came out in the last, oh, a couple of days. The first one is that there is going to be another Batman Arkham game. This one called Batman Arkham Origins. It's going to arrive before the end of the year. My bet, October, late November. Who, get, who yeah. gets murdered in this one? Uh, they go back in, uh, they go back to the or- origins of Arkham, not yeah. uh, not spreading it out to a whole city, but taking it oh. back and making it somewhat smaller. So they'll start it with brutal murders that we already know about. Yes. <laughs> The uh, official synopsis for Winter Soldier arrives, including a little bit of information about Robert Redford. And Comixology is going to try it again with 700 free issues. But there's a catch. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny, see where the wheel lands. Ay, 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 ay. And it lands right there on number three. Comixology is going to try it again with 700 free issues. Many people may remember way back at uh, South by Southwest, not too long ago, actually. I say way back, but uh, <laughs> like last month. Like, yeah, way, yeah, way last back, month. Month, I mean, early yeah. 2013. Yes. <laughs> uh, Marvel and Comixology announced that they were going to give away 700 free issues uh, over at, uh, at their um, Comixology. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it promptly caused their system to crash for like three days because so many people were trying to get in and get on board with this offer. And uh, disappeared, and they said, well, we'll let you know when we bring it back. And quite honestly, I didn't think they were going to bring it back. Mm-hmm. But uh, just yesterday, uh, depending on when you're listening, Monday, they and sent out an announcement that said, hey, we're going to be relaunching that 700 free issues drive, but there's a catch. This time, we're not just opening it up for anybody to come and grab stuff. You have to sign up. And you had to have signed up by midnight on Tuesday, April 9th, in order to uh, to get in on this deal. And then once you signed up, they were going to contact you and say, Hey, now you can come and download those comics. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, bad. Is this seven hundred issues per person? 
you can you can download the seven. They have seven hundred number one issues going back all the way to like um, the first Avengers comic and the first Iron Man comic. Oh, I was thinking um, this was seven hundred comics, so it was like one free issue for the first seven hundred bringers. No, 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 no. no, no. You, Matthew Peterson, I, if you signed up, can download yeah. seven hundred free Marvel number one issues. What what, a, what Marvel number one issues don't I have? Well, all right. I don't know. So, bad example. Him, <laughs> him, Zach. Oh, hello. To get seven hundred uh, number Zach. One. Ooh, Zach could read comics. Yes, exactly. He could he if he could get comics. in. If he could get in. Mm-hmm. Now, did if you sign up, young Zach? Got- uh, I have not. You better get to it if you're going to download those comics. I better. I only have a couple hours. I guess okay. the thing that that uh, is somewhat disappointing is that. The first attempt showed that there was a demand for people to get comics if they're right. if they're priced right. Obviously, right. free is the price right. <laughs> but uh, I really thought that they would go in and bulk up their servers and their systems to ready for the mass onslaught of people who want the the gimme gimmies, the the freebie people. And uh, apparently, they didn't because they're just going to let it come in waves. Yeah, it's it's interesting that. Um it's like their servers get crashed, so instead of bulking up the servers, they just put up a gate yeah, to yeah, let yeah. people in one at a time. Yeah. Which, you know, granted, this whole thing is a publicity stunt. Oh, I sure, guess. yeah. Um, so they're not making any money up front. So if it crashes their servers, they're actually losing money. Well, and yeah. they certainly did for the couple of days. That was back when the first issue of Sex came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that yeah. the reason why we couldn't get it was because, because of, the... of the crash. Turns out it was for a totally different reason. Stupid yeah. Apple. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I don't know. Uh, is this a, still a good deal, Rodrigo, to you? I, I think so. I mean, if, if you're trying, if you're someone who is trying to get into, who wants to get into comics, and I think we're seeing a lot more people who beforehand didn't, know where to go to get comics you know if you live in a town like mine or if you live somewhere else um or in a few places you don't have a comic book store nearby necessarily so this is really a good entry for people into comics so it's a great idea in that sense um but of course the uh what i want to say the uh the specifics of it the logistics of it are clearly turning out to be a problem right 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 yeah well, and I think they should have had some kind of a heads up that this was going to happen early on because that Comixology app and the Marvel app and the DC app and, and really everything powered by Comixology has been a top placer in the paid apps for mm-hmm. a long time. And uh, or at least the money making right. uh, apps. Mm-hmm. So, man, I, there's a lot of people that want comics, Matthew, whether it's uh, print form or uh, digital form. And that's right. good for the industry, right? Well, up to a point, I think that there's always that question of diminishing returns and much like free comic book day, I want, you know, I want there to be a little bit more focus on how do we make sure they're coming back. But yeah, I think it's a good thing that people want access to the books. I don't know necessarily whether it's the free comics or the free comics that are more important. But I think think we've seen, I think we've seen that people would rather have something for free mm-hmm. and then not pay for it, even though there's an associated cost because even free comic book day costs the retailer, costs the publisher, costs a lot of people money in order to get those comic books in, into people's hands. And you're right. How many of those people are going to come back? Um, in the digital comics though, it's a, 
the the main thing that Comixology is missing right now is the subscription service mm-hmm. where I say I want to buy 12 issues of Batman or six issues of Batman or however many issues that I I want to buy of Batman. One Pre- pre-purchase million. this. Maybe I will. Uh, purchase, uh, you know, the next six issues of Batman so that I don't have to worry about every week, especially if I'm not somebody who's into comics uh, regularly and know the all-ins and outs, but I know I love reading the Batman book. Mm-hmm. I don't have to keep going to Comixology and going, is the new Batman book out? Is the new Batman book out? I just open up my Comixology app one day and boom, there's the new issue. Yep. That's how the subscription service should work in an application like Comixology. But it but it doesn't at this point. And, uh, and I wish they would implement it because then I think you would see... Matthew, that diminishing return actually flatten yeah. out or actually increase because people can say, hey, I want this when I want this and I'll pay for it ahead of time if it's good. And and you give people not a year subscription, but maybe six month subscription, right. you know, basically yeah. the, the length of an arc. And then at the end of that time, they can choose to auto renew or not renew. Right. And, and the, I mean, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. I think that's a good way to access the material. And I think that it's a really, really strong way to monetize the access to those digital copies that is right. You know, it's clearly, it's clearly well, wanted by the reader. And, and here's the cool thing with this 700 deal that's going on. I know one of the, the comics, cause I think I did the, was able to snag it is um, I think it's captain America winter soldier. Number one, I think yeah. is in there or the thing that kicks off that winter soldier storyline. And for that all of us that have captain used America volume five, number one or two. number one, cause it's number one issues. Number um, but you get to the end of that, issue and we've all seen this as you try to flip past that page that you don't know is the end it says hey read the next issue in this series dollar mm-hmm. 99 or 99 cents or 399 and so it's very tempting and very easy especially in i guess this app society that we've kind of developed where it's just like oh it's just a couple of dollars right. that i'm not pulling out of my <laughs> yeah, pocket yeah. ka-ching 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 so really this is a great gimmick to try to sell a lot more stuff. And certainly mm-hmm. with what Comixology does with their 99 cent Mondays, I don't know if they still do that. Um, well, the 700 started as was their 99 cent Monday for Marvel for it was going oh, for okay. the entire week. Oh, but okay. I'm pretty sure that because uh, this week was Runaways volume. Yeah, two. yeah. So, I mean, that is a great gimmick. Just get people in for the 99 cents mm-hmm. and get them to buy a lot of comics up front. Great deal. So. I don't know. I guess I'm excited about this. I mean, comic readership in or comic sales in March went up uh, on a little over 3% compared to February, but compared to 2012, comic book sales are up 24%. Mm. So money being spent all around. I just uh, signed up at Comixology and it says they will send out a personalized link in an email starting on Thursday April 11th, and then I then have 48 hours wow. to choose my free Marvel issues. Uh, hmm. Hope you're not busy. I hope I'm not busy. <laughs> I hope you got no uh, want lists to edit. Yeah. I hope you don't have any uh, homeworks <laughs> to get done, Zach, because this, you miss this, your 48-hour window, and that's going to be the end of it for you. This, by the way, is going to be the weirdest version of... Um, a Christmas Carol I've ever seen <laughs> of Zach being like, please, Mr. Steven, I need to get home so I can sign or so I can get my free comics. No, you have to work. And then uh, <laughs> later on, Steven is uh, visited by um, the spirit of comics past. I am the ghost of comics. Past. Yeah, actually, right. Matthew would be the, the ghost of comics yeah, ex- present. Ex- uh, no, 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 my friend. I am the ghost. Yes, of Matthew past. is definitely the ghost of comics past. <laughs> Um, the ghost of comics present, 
which would probably be Zach because all he's ever read are comics presents. Or Brian Bendis. And and then uh, the ghost of comics future, which would be um, Mason wearing a Batman cape. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'd still wake up the next day and say, Zach, you got your work done. <laughs> Not, oh, is it Christmas still? Go buy me the goose in the window, young lad. Here's a nickel. Yes. Or a ducat. Stephen yeah. would Here's run down the store. Go buy all the Wolverine number one in the store. <laughs> and you get a number one, and you get a number one, and you get a number one. Hanging out, handing out uh, comicsology gift cards. <laughs> if and thereafter, no one kept the summer crossover better than <laughs> Ebenezer Schleim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out that story and many, many more. You can also check out a brand new uh, podcast in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you subscribe to the Major Spoilers Podcast Network Master Feed, you will see a new uh, podcast that shows up in there. Um, can't have a network if it's just one. So Master we brought in, uh, brought in Wayne Hall, who's uh, writing for us on the site. He's got a podcast that he's been doing for a number of years. This week in his first uh, episode for Major Spoilers, actually his 85th podcast, he All sits right. down with Adam Beechin and has a nice conversation. Go check it out in the Master nice. Feed. Wonderful. Welcome to the show. Yes, yes, yes. Very much. Going to have a few more podcasts joining the network over the next couple of months, I hope, if some people can get their stuffs together. Um, so, speaking broadly. Of, yeah, I guess. We'll see. Um, want to thank everybody who's become a part of our subscriber drive. It's still going on. We still have more people, uh, subscribing every day, five or $10 a month. Don't, uh, subscription, get you access to the members.majorspoilers.com website. Uh, we've already announced a new podcast that will be going on. It's a movie commentary where it's, you sit down and watch the movie and we talk along as you watch. Could be a lot of fun. That should be coming out very soon. Hopefully before the end of April. Although I'm looking at my calendar, Zach. Mm-hmm. every day this and that and this and that and this and that and, no, the other. and then of course my son's doing soccer on the weekends right. I do have my Children. book almost off the table good so that'll be that's done. good so that'll be done but listeners if you want to uh, help us out make sure that the uh, site and the show continue on and get a little something extra in return as a thank you to you you can find out all the details at majorspoilers.com let us do that thing that we do so well that part of the show where we <laughs> where we talk about reviews. <laughs> I'm sorry, when you said do that thing you do so well, I'm like, you mean jump over things on my motorcycle? And then I forgot I'm not evil Knievel. Yes. Let's do some reviews. Uh, <laughs> All out right. last week. Reviews. Out last week from uh, Image Comics, Savage Dragon, number 186. Yes. The Long Goodbye. Is this the series wrapping up? I don't know. I don't think so. I believe that The Long Goodbye actually refers to things in the book. But given that, you know, we're at 186 issues and the book's been being published, I won't say continuously, but been being published for 20 years. Man, that long. Yeah, 1995. I don't know. 20 years ago, whenever that was. Um, Eric Larson, Savage Dragon is Zach and I recently actually had a Twitter discussion. I think that describes this. We were arguing about McDoubles being the equivalent of a plain Hershey. Bar. No, that would be a hamburger. Would exactly. Be the equivalent of the no, Hershey. Shut bar. up. Exactly. Shut up. No, no, that's you, what it would no, be. No, no, no. Don't, don't. Uh, a McDouble would be like the chunky Hershey bar. I so, said a Hershey with almonds. No, because almonds implies that there's a new ingredient. 
Yeah, the Hershey Double would be a thicker, so that would be your McDouble right there. Either way, it's that entry level. He said basic a double quarter pounder thing. of cheese was a Hershey with almonds. Absolutely. And I don't think I don't think the price point between a Hershey and a Hershey with almonds <laughs> is equal to the price point between a regular hamburger and a double I'm quarter pounder of cheese. I'm not talking in terms of price point, but you have to price assume that since the, <laughs> the double quarter pounder is more expensive, it's better. Apples and oranges when you talk about the price. Point. It's time. <laughs> You're wrong. Okay, have you ever made the equivalent of saying that this movie is the Ferrari of movies? Does that mean I have to pay $465,000 to buy the goddamn movie? No, it doesn't. And that's why the Savage Dragon. (laughs) Shut up. Go on, Savage Dragon 186. (laughs) Long goodbye. In any case, that basic entry-level cheeseburger, that... Hershey bar that you can buy and go, wow, this is chocolate and I needed chocolate right now. The Savage Dragon, in a lot of ways, has been that for me over the last couple of decades. It's basic 70s style comics like what I grew up with. And it comes out every month or six months or a year and a half or whatever it is. And when it comes out, you can always check in and go, hey, it's that guy. I understand where this is going. It's always solid storytelling it's not always trying to reinvent the wheel this issue opens with two characters one is named powerhouse powerhouse basically has the body of superman and the head of a chicken and powerhouse is uh talking with flash mercury flash mercury used to be a race driver who's clearly not speed racer but now he's a superhero who puts on a magic helmet and has super strength because he paralyzed himself in a crash in his race car. It, 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 really, those are two pure superhero concepts. We meet uh, a, a series of people who turn out to be the children of characters we met before. So a character whose name was Open Face. Hang on, that, that vein in my forehead is throbbing. His son is here. You know what they call his son, Rodrigo? No. Open Face Jr. Nice. Yeah, and they they go through this whole thing. They introduce the new characters, and it's basically a Savage Dragon story. It's the dragon's son, Malcolm, and his daughter, Angel, fighting with a thousand other superheroes against the evil menace of the Claw. Now, the Claw is himself an old-school 1940s superhero who's been revived, or Mm -hmm. villain, along with Daredevil, the red and black checkerboard Daredevil, who has been likewise revived. But there's, you know, subplots involving Malcolm's girlfriend. Malcolm has a cute little Chinese girlfriend who wears a a schoolgirl outfit. Why, you ask? I think Eric Larson likes drawing it. Uh That's the only reason it's in here. Daredevil has some fighty-fighty. Malcolm's sister, Angel. Now, Malcolm and Angel are both technically the Savage Dragon's children. Only one of them comes from an alternate timeline future kind of thing. And the other one doesn't or something. I don't know. But in any case, Angel is same. Now. Are they the same age? Yes. I, I, I I, you know, I'll admit I have never read any Savage Dragon. They're like 17 or 18. They okay. are old enough to be superheroes and fighty-fighty. But one's but not like five enough. and the other one is 32 or anything like that. Well, I don't know how old they're supposed to be. The Malcolm may actually be five. It may be one of those rapid aging, you know, wharf son kind of things. I haven't read their histories close enough, really. But... um 
Angel is leaving town because her affair with Daredevil, who is, by the way, 87 years old, has gone poorly for her. And really, this book is all subplots and fighty-fighty. This is a book that keeps the stories going. It keeps everything rolling. It puts some people on the board. We see Dragon himself briefly. Dragon is in prison, by the way, because uh, his evil self, long story, took over and tried to destroy the world or something. Um, do you remember? So the does, the evil, does the evil crashed? savage dragon have his dorsal fin go the other way? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> However, he did have a porn star mustache. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, when he crashed to Earth uh, like 100 years ago in the beginning of the image thing, his first story was he appeared in a fireball in Chicago and had no memory. Oh, okay. That's because he was the evil overlord of an alien empire, which, gosh, that's fun to say. And his own people wiped his memory and banished him to Earth because he was so dangerous and awful. His own people rose up and threw him at Earth where he became a superhero. Which, when you think about it, again, a pure comic book origin. There's also a backup story with a character who's apparently half-god who talks like the Hulk and who is named Zeke. Zeke is one of the characters that I believe Eric Larson said he created when he was eight or nine years old. Brilliant. (laughs) And that's one of the things that makes this book so approachable. You know, as a former nerd who created his own characters and went, oh, look, this is awesome guy. He's not at all like super dude. You know, you have that moment where you've created a character or you've ripped off somebody else's character and you make up their continuity and their history. Eric Larson has made that his job. And he plays with characters that he created when he was eight and nine years old. And he puts out monthly stories that sell to people who buy them. (laughs) And that is amazing to me. That is wonderful. And I think that's part of the reason why I keep bumping into Savage Dragon. I can never quite get away from it. I'm like, you know, I think it's Sonny from The Godfather. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Either that or they shoot me at the toll booth. I can't remember which one it is. But this was a weirdly compelling issue. And it may have me buying Savage Dragon for a month or two. Because that's what always happens. I buy it for a month or two and then I forget or get tired or get annoyed and stop. Man, if only there was some way your digital comics would be pushed to you so you could get them in a more timely fashion. But I don't read digital comics. This this is how I protect myself against storms. My house is weighed down with 11,000 pounds worth of back issues, and the walls are all reinforced with young blood. I, My house is practically... I shouldn't say that word in a severe weather watch. I'm not going to attempt anything, but... I'm going to go with three and a half slices of meatloaf for Savage Dragon number 186. A very... And all the words that I want to use sound insulting. A very uh, yes, this is this is what it's like to have a conversation with you, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Typical uh, is a bad word. Mm-hmm. Um, descriptive. It is the Savage Dragon comic that I wanted and expected. It is not better than that comic, nor is it worse than that comic. It is the comic that I expected when I. You know, bought myself the Savage Dragon. It's the it's, it's not the, the comic that, that you you, you uh, <laughs> it's not the dragon that you want, but it's the dragon that you need. 
It is the dragon that I wanted, and it is the dragon that I got. And when it becomes the dragon that I didn't need and or don't got, then I won't got it for a while until I decide I do want the dragon, and I'll come back and get the dragon that I want. And hey, was that a shot? Sorry, I was sidetracked. Rodrigo insulted me. <laughs> so he gives it a bad... three and a half. Uh, three and a half regular Hershey candy bars. I suddenly am in need of a Royale with cheese, but you know what happens Royale when you put cheese, cheese in. Royale with cheese. What really keeps you, uh, really keeps you regular the, is fruit. The pounder. Mm. Rodrigo, See, the problem you have how about we talk search. about an upcoming comic book from Ape Entertainment? Mm-hmm. Based on a video game That's on right. your iPad or iOS or Android device everywhere. Uh, yes, this is a game called Fruit Ninja. Very popular with the kids. Um, My son loves I think, it. I think it's by Half Brick. I forget yeah, who it's it is, by. Is the uh, the company that does That's- it? Also, that sounds like an insult too. What'd you call me? Yes. Also, um, the people that put out a lot of all of the like berry steak fries games, like um, Jetpack Joyride. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So yes, um, Fruit Ninja number one. In this issue, we learn about the Fruit Ninjas. We meet some fruit ninjas, and then the fruit ninjas tell each other things, and then we launch into a story that features fruit ninjas. Like, the fruit ninjas tell another fruit ninja that they want to hear a story about a weird fruit, so he tells them it. Um, in this story, there's some little fruit ninjas, and they get themselves in trouble while the emperor of um, the fruit ninja nations is trying to uncover a dark secret um, that will help him in uh, an upcoming uh, conflict. Uh, so the uh, little fruit ninjas get everybody in trouble, and they all get ambushed by brigands. It's pretty much what happens. Um, I did say fruit ninja a thousand times uh, in that. What's the name review. of this book again? Uh, fruit ninja. Fruit. N- how do you spell that? Uh, F R O O T. Ah, okay. N I N. They got a rabbit in it. R. Uh, it does not have a rabbit in it. Okay. Uh, it like there's there's a lot of stuff about it that is cute. Apparently, this is developing the Fruit Ninja storyline, which I was shocked to discover there is a storyline. I thought it was um, slashing fruit in half. And I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, but uh, it's there's a lot of really funny, really cute things about it, like. One of like the provinces in this um, universe is called Manganesia. Ah, and brilliant. You know, yeah, so there's lots of little things like that that you they know, have cattle you, there. If you know the uh, if you know the name of fruit, you might find it funny. Um, but which, by the way, knowing the name <laughs> of a fruit, very important plot point in the book. Oh, really? I'm serious. I'm serious, you guys. This book. It's a lot of mileage out of fruit and ninjas. <laughs> um, altogether, you know, this game is, or this book is cute and it has the same color scheme as, as the game. So if bright colors interest you, Excellent. then you should definitely check it out. Um, and they do me. They, I, I was definitely really uh, interested in all of the little fruit ninjas with their little multicolored outfits. 
Um, so uh, altogether, I'll probably give this three and a half slices of meatloaf. It right. is definitely above average. If you enjoy Fruit Ninja, you might as well flip through it because it'll at least remind you of of that game that uh, you've spent so many times uh, sli- slicing bombs in half and losing. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Okay, so that is from Ape Entertainment. Arrives sometime when, Rodrigo? Oh, I do not know. It's like in September or something. Okay. Yeah, I think it's sometime between spring and summer. Yeah. So that could be any time between, (laughs) you know, end of March to October sometime. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right, so go check that out. Fruit Ninja, number one. I think it's going to be released. uh, Maybe the why it says spring, summer is because I think it's being released digitally first and then print later. Mm. Because that's what uh, that's what they ape does a lot with their books. Uh, That makes that makes sense. And uh, I should say that the format of it and we got a digital copy to review. Right. But the format of it is one is like wider than it is tall. Mm. So Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with something like I mean, I don't want to say that it's exactly the same, but something like Mouse Guard, where it's like. Basically, if you take a comic and you flip it on its side and you mm-hmm. the pages flip that way, that's that's what this is. Cool. Excellent, excellent. Matthew, do you play the Fruit Ninja? Uh, I think the widget does. All right. Cool. She has like five or ten games that she bought with her little uh, Christmas gift. Cool. She got um, a pad, pod, pod pad. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she buy the Star Wars Angry Birds? The best one. No. Oh, she did buy so the uh, Candy Smashy. Oh, that's the one you're playing Smash. all the time, right? The candy smash. Yeah. No, I only play to give her turns. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you get a thing from me that says candy smashy wants you to give me stuff, it's because I'm trying to give the kid turns. I see. All right. Well, that is the world of video games and comics and where they collide. What I like is where the Hyborian age collides with my comic books. Conan, the Barbarian number 15 comes out uh, next week. <laughs> Comes out next week from Dark Horse Comics by Brian Wood is the writer. Uh, this is the third part of a three-part series called The Woman on the Wall, where, um, man, it's so interesting how they take these little, really standalone stories and weave them together. Because um, back when we reviewed, oh, the black ship or whatever it was that Conan was on, and it had his, uh, the woman that he was in love with, Bellet or Belit, um, she ended up leaving at the end of that story and Conan was so distraught over the love for her that he started trekking out across the desert to go and find her. And he was captured by uh, an army and forced into uh, servitude to go fight for the army as they laid siege to this uh, uh, town that was basically built into a crater. So it was very hard to to get out. And every day this woman would come up, this beautiful woman would come up on the end of the tower and everyone was in love with her. And so they were all kind of fighting so that they could get in, make her their conquest. Uh, of course, Conan bro- uh, broke into the uh, city first, uh, made his way to the woman, Belit, or Belit, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, and only to come to find out that he ends up getting captured. And in this portion of the book, Uh, He's brought before the king, and we discover that she is the firstborn of the king, so really she has rightful rule of the kingdom, and that uh, all the other sons and daughters have died, and the king wants her back to come and rule. But uh, Conan has uh, laid siege to the town and broke in and got close to the king, so therefore he must be put to death. 
And of course, the woman that Conan loves says, no, father, free him and I will stay. And the king wisely strokes his chin and says, yes, Conan, you may go if you vow never to return again. And Conan decides to do that and walks off and leaves. Although there is a nice touching moment at the end. I won't spoil it, but um, it's kind of a sad story in Conan's uh, tales where the the love is lost and he doesn't have her. And I think Brian Wood told a three-part story that felt pretty epic uh, and was interesting uh, throughout. I think this third issue really kind of uh, sealed the deal and, and wrapped it up nicely. I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, the art is really good. Uh, I'm going to probably mess up this person's name. Uh, uh, Andrea Muti, M-U-T-T-I, or um, I'm going to say Muti. Um, really good art in here, although Conan is not a big bulked up um, you know, steroid abusing, you know, muscles on top of muscles guy. He's built more like a George Reeves kind of character, barrel chested, mm. uh, maybe like an, a wrestler, Matthew from the, uh, from the late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. The Bruno San Martino. Yeah. 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 And so it, it looks really good. And he's actually drawn a lot younger than what we've seen him before in uh, some of the other books, like the road of Kings uh, storyline that we were reading. Um, but this was really good. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it still has a few. The one thing that I really do like is um, when the narrator is talking, the word boxes are all typed out. They're not handwritten letters. They're typed like they were typed on an old uh, typewriter, like uh, it was written by Robert E. Howard. Mm -hmm. And so I found that really, really fascinating. And uh, and I got a kick out of that. Um, Overall, this is a uh, good book. If you read the first three or the first two issues, the first two parts of this, I think you'll want to pick up the last one to see where it all ends. I'm also giving this one three and a half slices of meatloaf. That's Conan the Barbarian number 15 out next week, or maybe it's this week, depending on when you're listening, from Dark Horse Comics. Let's wrap up our reviews this week, uh, Zach. Okay. With uh, polarity number one. From Image, is that who it is, or is this Dark Horse? Boom Studios, okay, Boom Studios. Yeah, uh, so polarity number one. This comic follows a an artist from Brooklyn, and uh, starts out as he's wandering in the middle of the street. He kneels down the middle, and then gets ran over by a car. Oh no! And then we jump forward a few months, and we start learning about this uh, person who is narrating the book, and we come to find out he is an artist. And he also suffers from bipolar. And so as the book goes, he has his, he's at a middle of an art gallery and his art has become popular since some of his mental breakdowns and, and, uh, accident in the middle of the street. But he hates all the people he's surrounded because, uh, they're all hipster doofuses. What? Yep. And he, he does not like them. And that's about the first half of the book. It's like it's just like, yeah, yeah. oh, hipsters are pretty much are evil, stupid, yes. and they don't contribute anything, and they all do this because they're not really secure with themselves at all. Hit home, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now that you mention oh, it, Stephen, rough. <laughs> rough. <laughs> uh, well, no, because these are these are Brooklyn hipsters. Oh, oh, okay. So not you guys the, not see Western I'm Kansas hipster hipsters. just because I wear a cardigan, <laughs> but these people like wear sweaters and have beards and wait, you're wearing cardigan is a sweater. <laughs> no, pullover sweaters and bow ties oh, and those three buttons do make an enormous difference. He said not at all. <laughs> it, it makes a difference. Anyway, anyways. 
The lead so, characters so now. Been, all right, the, literally now we have Zach and Matthew have argued over <laughs> cheeseburger slash candy bars, and now they're arguing over sweaters. Excuse I, me. I remember when this podcast was about comics. <laughs> <laughs> really? Was that in the first four episodes? Because I'm pretty sure. So, uh, Timothy, the, the main character, yeah. has been on his meds to keep Yeah, him he's straight, been on right? his meds, and so, and his he has a girlfriend, but the girlfriend's not very nice, and she eventually just tells him, um, since you've started taking all this medicine and everything, you kind of are no fun and suck, and your art sucks as well. And he gets all pissy, goes off to a bar, and he's like, you know what? <laughs> My art does suck. Bartender, give me a drink. And then he proceeds to go off of his meds and do all the things the doctors tell him not to do, and he begins to have his delusions that he actually is Jesus and starts imagining uh, Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen as who they would be as one of his apostles, and he starts hearing people's voices, and he believes that he's being stalked because he has these powers and someone's trying to take him out. Oh, yeah, he thinks he's a superhero, right? Yeah, he thinks he's supposed to have superhero, which I think... He clearly, because he did the beginning of the issue, he thought he was a superhero and Jesus, and that's why he went in the middle of the street, but he got hit by a car, so he doesn't have super strength. Um, he's, well, not invul- until, he's not invulnerable. Not invulnerable, yeah. because the very last, band, well, qu- towards the very end, he definitely has super cranium strength, and you can see that gory mess. thing? Well, Apparently, if you're headbutting somebody, yes. Yes, because he headbutts someone, and then their head is no more. But his head is fine. Yes. Yeah, it was pretty graphic. It kind of surprised it, me. It, I flipped the page and I was like, oh, that's brain matter everywhere. So that was uh, very interesting. But the, I feel like the other thing about this is that it's very clear. He states he has, he suffers from a men- mental illness and he's narrating this. So you have to wonder, well... Is any of this that he's narrating really actually true? Because he's obviously gone a little bit loopy. So that will, I'm going to assume, probably play into it later. Down this issue. It's only a four-issue miniseries, so only a couple months, and we should actually get a full, complete story, hopefully, which will be nice. Art. Uh, I like the art. Some of the characters definitely didn't have as much detail as others. Even though they're supposed to be kind of prominent, the main, main character has more detail than his his friend who tries to talk sense to him and other things. There's a great panel as he's Tim starts to go into his delusions as the it's a two page spread and the panels go spirally, so it's not your just standard left right top bottom. And as he spirals down into delusion, it was a it was a, it was, a, it was a good good spread to read. All in all, it's a, I enjoyed it. Steven, you didn't like it very. You didn't. Eh, talk it was just you didn't okay. Like it. <laughs> It was okay. I mean, it's just okay. I would me, I'd give it a two. Oh, you give it a two? Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give I mean, it. I a didn't three. hate it, but I'm it gonna give right. it three slices of little meatloaf. I enjoyed it. I'm, I am very interested to see where it goes into the next issue, and we'll definitely picking it up uh, next Math, time. Matthew, do you Boom. know? Do you know Max Bennis? Do you know that name? Is this a is this a new book for him, or is this uh, he, um, has he written before? It said in the solicits that he wrote, "Say anything." Oh no, that's his band. Say say anything. Whoops! Wow, right. his uh, that's right. Because I read at the end of the issue, his band say anything, and this actually comes from the writer. Mm-hmm. Actually, suffers from bipolar, mm, okay. and so some of the inspiration from this 
was his dealing with that and the pills and everything and I remember and his struggle to uh, become a musician and things. So that's also interesting. Excellent. All right. Uh, that wraps it up for the reviews that we have done this week. If you want to read more reviews, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Lots of reviews over there. A lot uh, less bickering during <laughs> uh, During the ones that you read, yes. Generally, yes. Uh, you know, you can go read about Earth 2 number 11. You can go read uh, Thanos Rising number one, that five-issue miniseries. Thanos takes over the Earth, doesn't he, Matthew? Uh, no. He doesn't? Earth doesn't? Earth doesn't factor into this. Oh, okay. All right. This is this is Thanos's story when Thanos was a kid. Oh, and, young Thanos! And Thanos and the young four Thanos other kids adventures were were put in uh, detention by the evil. Oh yeah! Thanos. Speaking of, we do have another podcast you guys might be interested in called Zach on Film. Young oh. Zach here, surprise, surprise. Hello. Has not seen very many really good movies. Sure haven't. And so uh, Zach on Film, which you can find over at Majorspoilers.com. You can find it in the Major Spoilers uh, Podcast Network Master Feed, or you can just find it on iTunes under Zach on Film. We take a look at some of the classic movies or some great movies, have Zach analyze it, talk about it from a um, um, technical point of view. We talk about it from a philosophical point of view, and uh, hopefully Zach learns a little something. And this week, we're doing The Breakfast Club. So go check that out. Also, uh, if you want to help us out, um, and maybe you want to go buy The Breakfast Club, head over to Majorspoilers.com, click on the Amazon.com link, and you can buy, buy, buy away. A little bit comes our way, and again, helps us on our way to bring you more awesome content. Okay. Looking at our rundown, Matthew, it's that time of the show. The time of the show? Yes, it is that time, time of the show. Time to bust a rhyme? No, 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 no. Time to not, go online? No, 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 no rhyme busting, no... Time no for timer? Online thinging, no, no... It's howdy uh, duty time? Oh, it's duty time, that's for sure. Time to plunk the magic twanger? <laughs> I just time, said it was duty time. Time, time, <laughs> see what's become of me? Time won't let me? Yes. It's time! There we go. What are you doing right now, Rodrigo? What am I doing? Yes. Just hanging out. Okay. <laughs> maybe head your, your hand, your face in your hands, just nodding, you know, shaking back and forth. Why? 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 I always no, picture no. Rodrigo during these exchanges is sitting there like Father Mulcahy in an episode of MASH from like the first three seasons where he doesn't get a whole lot of lines. But here's here's what I do. I at at this point in in my uh, podcasting career, here's what I do. When when things break down like that, um, I, I I don't, you know, I'm not subscribed to any like news service or anything like that. But usually, right before the show, I will go to the convenience store and pick up a newspaper. And when the the podcast breaks down like that, I just sit back and open up a newspaper, and I don't read anything in it because I'm not actually interested in it. I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> you just want to look cool. Yeah, I just, I'm just like, I just like, oh, this is a great time to read the paper, and I just lean back and open it up. <laughs> I feel very cool to myself while this is happening. At no other time does this happen. This week, our poll of the week it's is wanting time. to know. Oh, it's that time. <laughs> Gosh, for the millions in attendance. And the thousands who have been inexplicably sucked into the speed force. The major spoilers. (laughs) 
So this week, it's time. Hey, all right now. So uh, this week uh, we got a poll from one of our uh, spoilerites who wants to know what is your one true blank? Fill in the blank. Flash, Green Lantern, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Uh, so this week it's who is your one true Flash? That one that you always love the most. The one that you are sad that they're either there or not there each and every time. Matthew, who is your favorite Flash? Your one true Flash? I had a philosophical issue this week. You did? Is that a number one or a mint condition? Or did that come with a variant cover? It was actually a back issue. You don't know. It's a really obscure issue. (laughs) (laughs) One of the only place where I'm a hipster right there. Stop hanging out with Zach. Um, no, yeah. Have you noticed, Zach, that what he does is when one of us starts getting mad at him, he sicks the other on us. He just turns us on each other. I know. It's like he's because he knows that if we join forces, we would just oh please. I don't know. Do something crazy. It's like hey, let's you and him fight. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, so so what is this philosophical issue? My philosophical issue is that I, as a fanboy, don't necessarily like the concept of the one true blank because the one true blank depends on what you're, you know, what you're exposed to first. Well, it we've had that discussion before. Your context, it has to do with your background. And for me to say that my favorite Flash is the one true Flash would, I mean, that would make me you know, like Jeff Johns, I'd be, I'd be forcing other people to love what I love. And while that works up to a point, I don't necessarily want to say that the only flash that should be allowed is the flash that I like. Well, I mean, the, I, I can see that, but I think the, the way the question is phrased is what is your right one true flash? I mean, it, 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 it does, does well, and stipulate we've had this, that. We've had this conversation mm-hmm. before when we talk with Doctor Who. Most people's favorite Doctor Who, the Doctor Who that they like the most, is the one that they were first exposed to. Your right. first candy bar is the one that you were pro- your favorite candy bar is probably the one you were first exposed to. Um, so in that sense, Matthew, then who is your one true flash? Is it your first one that you were exposed to? Is it is it Barry yeah. Allen? It is not. It is not the second one that I was exposed to uh, in uh, Wally West. So I started which, reading which Flash exposed it, itself to you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want us exposing ourselves. Focusing back on the question at hand, the Flash that really struck me as my one true Flash, i.e., my favorite Flash, came when Wally started interacting with the older heroes, when Johnny Quick and Max yeah, Mercury. Yeah. Showed yeah. Up. And the during Wade those run. episodes, yeah, that Wade run where you get 80 year old Jay Garrick, mm-hmm. who is utterly unflappable. And I started thinking about this. When you're a flash, your brain works a thousand times faster than a human. Yeah. So if you're 80 years old and your brain has been working like that, of course you're unflappable. There's a scene where Jay Garrick takes off his little mercury hat and deflects a bomb with it. Just walks right up. Well, runs right up. He's a freaking flash. Just ting, and this bomb flies off and blows up, and he puts the thing back on his head, and he's like, ah, look at me. I'm the flash. Doo-dee-doo. So Jay Garrick is always my favorite for, A, uh, the the helmet, because you got to accessorize. Oh, sure. And B, because there was never a feeling with that he hated or felt jealous of the followers, the guys who took up his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he loved those kids. 
And when something went wrong for them, he was always like, I feel so bad. I'm 185 years old and everybody else is dead. I just, I love that Wade characterization that followed mm-hmm. into the JSA title. Yeah. I, I, I really, I really enjoyed the heck out of that too. I mean, this was a tough one for me because, I, you know, obviously I pick Wally West um, for a number of reasons, but, you know, I was like, man, I wish we could include Max Mercury and I wish we could include Jesse and Johnny Jesse Quick, Quick into this because Jesse Quick, I liked her as and, uh, John Fox. Yeah. And Fox, too, man. Those were some great characters all in. I mean, you could talk about the uh, the West twins from the future or whatever they were from or, the, uh, the, tornado Alan, twin. the tornado twins from the future. I mean, there are some really great flashes. But when you look at people who are actually labeled the flash, you've got Jay Garrick, Barry Allen, Wally West and and Bart Allen and people who headlined a flash. Yeah, yeah. I, I just had to go with Wally West. I mean, he was the one that I was exposed to the most. And I, I just like I said, I got into it when Mark <laughs> Wade was writing and show us on the great. doll where the flash exposed. <laughs> yes. So mine is mine is Wally West. What about you, uh, Zach? What's a flash, Mister Schleicher? Yes. What is a flash? Well, much like we just previously talked about, I haven't watched very good movies. I haven't read very many old comics. Man, maybe we should give him the the Mark Wade run on the Flash. You should. And so is that trade paperback? Oh, I'm sure it is, and I'm sure it's available on Comicsology too. The Comics Ologi. But because of this, and me um, not really even reading uh, any DC comics pre Flashpoint, (laughs) my choice is Barry Allen because he is the Flash that um, I read after Flashpoint with the new. Uh, Yes, exactly. Do you know Uh, that he once made the. Ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> Longtime listeners of the show will get that joke. But Barry Allen once made oh, good. the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story, folks. Go dig through the archives. It's got to be in the first 10 episodes somewhere. So, ba- yep. Barry Allen for you. Barry Allen. Okay. Because apparently he made some sacrifice. No, not no. some sacrifice. <laughs> the, 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 the sac- sacrifice. Have you not read Crisis on Infinite? Oh, no, no, did you, did you miss that point when I said I haven't read very many DC he comics He started before? with Flashpoint. Flashpoint. He started with Flashpoint, yeah. That was last week. True. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, really, the only thing I've read, I read Judas Contract. That was pre-52. That is pretty spiffy. Um, that was pre-Crisis, my friend. Okay. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Rodrigo, what See, about you? Do you have uh, a one true Flash? Uh, I guess I th- there's a, a flash that I like the most, and that is the flash from the JLU, which has been largely, oh, yeah, yeah. and I think eventually explicitly called out to be Wally West. Yes. Um, so I guess that I would fall in with uh, Wally West. Um, personally, the flash is a great example of something that I kind of find distressing in comics which is that you go from being the flash to a flash or from the hulk to a hulk right right, right. eventually successful comics continue on for so long that you know you end up with these like multiple people and multiple versions taking up these um these personas and often are then are are, are brought back along Mm-hmm. So it's like you have Wonder Woman and like two Wonder Girls, but what are you? So one of them's Wonder Girl, and what are you going to call the other one? They just call her by her actual name, yeah, yeah. you know. 
Susan. (laughs) (laughs) It's Wonder Um, Woman, Wonder Girl, Wonder Teen, Wonder Tot, and Frida. Well, you know, that was that was one of the weird things about Mark Wade's run, because, you know, most of the time you do have one flash or kid flash. But when Mark Wade took over, man, you had Jay Garrick, Max Mercury, Johnny Quick, Jesse Quick, Impulse, Bear, um, um, Wally West, the Tornado Twins. You had the what are the Russian uh, delivery guys? Red Trinity. Red Trinity, Gardner Fox, Reverse uh, Flash. Um, God, who else? I mean, they were all in this huge epic story that Wade told. And you're right, Rodrigo. They just became a speedster. In fact, I think that's how they referred yep. to themselves as we're just speedsters. <laughs> and you're the flash. Sure. But you know, we all have this same, we're tapping all into the same speed force, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from on that, but, uh, sometimes it works when you have a huge, I think, you know, group and I of think, people with similar powers. Well, and that's the thing is you can make it work. Um, if that's what you're doing, just like having more than one superhero to a certain degree diminishes the first superhero, mm-hmm. um, having multiple guys who can run super fast, diminishes the original guy who could run super fast but you know i mean it it does depend on the writing but it because it depends on the writing sometimes you see it done very poorly or sometimes i think it becomes this necessity that it's like oh well there are speedsters right right? Mm -hmm. there are all these guys running around who can tap into the speed force um just like there are going to be at least four kryptonians kicking around at any point and just like batman is going to have 17 kids following him around um you know it kind of like these extended superhero families can sometimes get a little annoying because nobody is like really keeping track of them right right it's just a writer comes in invents a bunch of characters leaves and then all these guys are just kind of hanging around awesome all right, listeners, that is, those are our picks. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can cast your vote in the Major Spoilers of the uh, poll of the week. Uh, Barry Allen is what uh, is Jimmy's uh, favorite. Um, gosh, my eyes are so bad. Um, Pray, Pray, Pray Lawn says Barry Allen. Right. Uh, Wally is what Alan Jones says. Andreas says Jay Garrick. Um, obviously, Bart Allen says Rico. I went with Wally says Matt. Um, another Matthew says, got to go with Barry Allen. Wally West says cat halo. I went with Wally says Josh, the list goes on and on and on. I love it when people comment and not just say, you know, a name, Jay Garrick, but then they go into detail Uh and, uh, share their answer and, and, uh, tell us, you know, why they like this particular character over others. Uh Yeah. So Matthew, uh, we've had a number of people voting. Yes. Since the poll was gone. Ooh. And how does it break down? Right now, in order of uh, olderness, uh, 13% saying Jay Garrick, which is kind of understandable given Jay's status as Flash Emeritus. Strangely for me, only 32% saying Barry Allen is their one, quote, true mm-hmm. Flash. I can see that. 50% of the votes going to uh, Wally West. Wow. And a token 5% for Bart Allen. His run was pretty abortive. He was only the Flash for 13 yeah, issues. Yeah, for only 13 issues, and they <clears throat> aged him and... They de-aged things him. up, yeah. They aged him to make him the Flash. They de-aged him to make him Kid Flash again, I want to say. Ugh. It was... See what I'm talking about? Ugh. Well, and, you know, it makes a good point, but there's always that problem. I always think of the story where they had the original Teen Titans together, and somebody says, hey, 
why are you Kid Flash? That's a stupid name. And he said, Speedy was taken. And he looks at Speedy and Speedy's like, well, I was the kid Robin Hood, but Robin was taken. So everybody starts staring at Dick Grayson and calling him a jerk. And he's just like, what? What what I do? <laughs> Zach, you need to go into the comicsology. Okay. You need to start looking oh, for The Flash starting in 1992 when Mark Wade oh uh, took over. <laughs> and start reading until Mark Wade left. If you right. say anything that implies that 1992 was a long time ago. I wasn't even born in 1992, I Mr. In Schleicher. No, I was. I was possibly... Less than no. a year to a year. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, uh, listeners, head over to Major Spoilers. Cast your vote in the poll of the week, and we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to Cat Halo talk about some things that he's involved with, and a question from one of you. Stick around. Greetings and salutations, Major Spoilers. Cat Halo, back again. I hope you didn't miss me too much last week. Um, this week, I've got two flicks to talk about, so I'll get stuff right in. First up, Dark Skies. This is a weird movie. It's a movie about aliens, but it has all the tropes, trappings, and cliches of a horror movie. As a result, unfortunately, it doesn't really succeed as either a sci-fi or a horror movie. However, you know, it's not terrible. It's just weird. It's a clever sci-fi flick, eh, but it's an unsuccessful horror movie. All in all, I'd probably give it two slices of the, of the major spoilers meatloaf. Check it out if you're really curious. The second flick I saw this week is the new Danny Boyle movie, Trance. This is a weird heist thriller, with lots of trippy shenanigans going on. I really like this movie, but I can imagine not everybody will. The script is strong, as are the three leads, and Boyle has yet again created a very visually impressive movie. Speaking of visually impressive, Rosario Dawson gets all kinds of naked in it, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. For a full review, check out Majorspoilers.com, but as I said, I liked this movie and would recommend it. It's been a quiet couple of weeks on the comics front. Um, I did finish the classic Death in the Family. Uh, aside from that one issue where Batman is looking for Robin in the aftermath of the explosion, I found the book a bit daft. Sure, there are iconic moments and some great art, but it's surrounded by really dated silliness. And, you know, that's my thoughts on it, and that's me done for the week. For those that care, I hope you really enjoyed WrestleMania on Sunday. For those who don't, I hope you really enjoyed whatever it is that you do that you enjoy. And I'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Hey, guys. This is Alexander from Eugene, Oregon, also known as one of the guys that bugs you on Twitter. And I had a comment for you that leads into a question, and I'm going to do it in pure Matthew fashion. I had enough money the other day, and I ordered the first two books of the Goblin's Web Comics trade paperback. And when they arrived, I noticed that they were bag and boarded. Now, I find this a little weird, because usually when I buy trade paperbacks, I just put them on my shelf like in all my other books. But when they arrived, it made me think, am I supposed to bag and board my trade paperbacks, or is this just something that they did for the convenience of mail? Now, I know you guys have tons of this stuff. I mean, you even run a website about it. And I wanted to know, do you guys, any of you guys, bag and board your trade paperbacks? I'd love to hear from you guys and keep up all the great work. Yeah. I don't think it's on here. Okay, we'll find it. Don't worry. Even if I have to break out my originals for you. Great. Oh, speaking of originals. Oh, so the question then this week, Matthew, 
was uh, about the uh, the person who got his trade paperback and that was bagged and boarded. Is it common to bag and board your trade paperbacks? I don't bag and board my trade paperbacks. Okay. Do you? Is that, the, is that the way to do it? I mean, I'm sure uh, if it's Marvel Man, the one collected trade of Marvel Man, then you we, do want to bag and board the, that. The right? one printed. Yes. But is it is it common there at your store to bag and board uh, trade paperbacks? Are we going? Yes, we are. Oh, okay. I'm it's sorry. go time, man. Come on. I was still in commercial. I was, <laughs> <laughs> we'll I was pretending live. to be Zach and thinking about candy bracelets. Yes, it is common to I bag don't know. and board your uh your trade paperback more common in my experience to bag them because most modern trade paperbacks fit just about dead solid perfectly in a silver age bag. So, but do yeah, you, so do I, you, I, do I you bag, bag those, do you bag those showcase editions? Those, you know, 500 page, uh, news, you know, the phone I book don't, size I stuff. Don't, I don't keep golden age bags on hand. Uh, oh, so that's what you need to bag those. Yeah. At least I'm not even sure if one of those would go It my, in my experience, I know the, here's what I do. When the, I have back issue overstock at the store, right. they go in a bag. If you have four or less, they can go in a modern bag. If you have 10 or less, you can usually get them in a silver. 25 or less can go in a golden, depending on how big you want to stuff them. I see. I use the Golden Age trade paperbacks for um, oddly shaped thick things. Yeah, yeah. But, what, do you do to, what do you do to bag uh, Mouse Guard? Mouse guard, you have to put on a golden age bag and board if you're going to bag it. Okay, because that's the Mouse one guard, thing. Even I was if you going, turn it sideways, it won't quite fit. We had uh, discovered that there's a leak in the uh, nerd room of Doom, and so I was moving a bunch <gasps> of stuff around a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was trying to get the mouse guards. I was like, dang it! Mouse guards don't fit in the conventional comic book uh, long box. And it annoys me. But, you know, the only going back to the question of bagged what, and boarded. What you can do is you can actually put them along the sidewall. Yeah, I thought about that, too. As long as you don't stick them too thick. You yeah. Know, three or I think you could one or two, right? Probably. That's what I, I usually do three or four. That's what I do with my Red Rocket 7s. Oh, okay. And my uh, Acme novelty libraries and weird shaped. Your and Tijuana weird. Bibles and. My Tijuana Bibles, no, I put multiples on uh, one board. Oh, okay. And then you individually bag each one. If you heat seal it, you can take the bag and split it into three separate things. Oh, yeah, Same yeah, Same thing cool. you can do with the DC Digest from the 80s. Oh, cool. Uh, the only bagged and boarded trades that I've ever seen are those, uh, the hardbound DC showcases, like the Legion run that they were doing in the yeah. Plastic Man, where it's like 50 bucks for a three or four issue hardbound it's, trade. It's not something you would do with everything, but you know, like I said, you 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 pointed out my Miracle Man uh, hardcovers are all bagged, my Sandman um, hardcovers are bagged, the original nine chapters of the Sandman I have in the hardcover. I put bags on my Preachers and my Why the Last Man's because mm. I have both of those. I, I just, only collect. I just think that because, and this is my view, and Rodrigo and Zach certainly step in here. Um, my view is that it's a trade. It's generally widely available. And again, like I said, mm-hmm. the, 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 the Marvel Man, the Miracle Man stuff, maybe not so much. Um, but generally, because I just think of them as widely available, I just don't even bother with it. Yeah, I think the expectation for trade paperbacks is different. I think yeah. that when you get an individual issue, first off, an individual issue, generally speaking, hopefully, is going to be more frail than a tra- trade paperback. And I've picked up some trades that are falling apart in the store. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that that's neither here nor there. But, you know, an individual issue is going to be more frail. And 
because we will never, I think, fully get out of that collector market mindset, regardless of how, you know, much an individual, an actual individual issue will someday be worth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still that expectation that you want to bag and board them. Whereas a trade paperback didn't come out in 1991, you know, even if it did, the issues that it's covering didn't totally come out in 1991. So, you know, it's like this, the trades are like a reprinting of that original medium that we picked up when we were kids. Yeah. And I think to some degree, the ago. expectation originally when trades were coming out was that these are collector copies of right. things you mm-hmm. can't afford right? Mm-hmm. rather than a regular thing. I, I know that when we covered uh, Mage, the hero discovered, and we were going over that, I actually busted out my old Mage trades, which came out in like 1985. And I keep them bagged and boarded because the trades themselves are rare and have a back issue value attached to them. Yeah. Uh, oh, recently yeah, yeah. we came into a, a big chunk of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle collected trades that from the you know eighty four, eighty five, eighty six range, where those books are actually considered worthy in and of themselves, even though they're reprints of the original stories. Yeah, right? and that's and that's some things. You know, if something is really rare and hard to find, yeah, yeah. I can see doing right. that to protect it. But Zach, what do you do? I mean, you go out and buy lock and key. Yeah. You're not buying the individual issues. You buy the trade. Right. You bag and board it, or you no, just, uh, just leave it there I'm next to the. Uh, I'm just throwing all my trades on my uh, bookshelf and treat it like let them trade. sit there. Okay. And if I yeah, and especially with the lock and key because they're all I usually get the hardback ones if I'm buying them in trade. So, um, no, I don't feel. I mean, I feel like they're more disposable maybe is a word that I don't really care as much if they get uh, banged up a little bit so not disposable so much as frangible I think well yeah, yeah it's it's, yeah. it's not it's not a rare commodity that's right, what I think what right, you're, right, you're right. wanting to get mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. yeah and so it's just something I just leave out and they and there's dust on them because I haven't grabbed some for a while but yeah. yeah they'll be there when I need them one day okay all right. Well, thank you so much for that question. I got a good topic going on there. And listeners, if you would like to call in with your comment, your thoughts, your ideas about anything, all you have to do is call the Major Spoilers Podcast Hotline. Matthew, that number is 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers impersonation of Jim Morrison Hotline. You guys want to see something? A big uh, thank you and a big shout out goes to tweakedaudio.com. They've been sponsors of the show for a long time, sponsors of the site for a long time. And right now, if you head over to tweakedaudio.com, you can choose from a wide selection of great in-ear earbuds. Some of them, uh, a variety of different colors. I like the wood one. We still have to give this wood one away at some point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but check this out, listeners. If you want Stephen to give you wood, you would like some wood in your ear. Um, <laughs> all you need to do is head over to tweakedaudio.com, and when you check out with these uh, headphones, all you need to do is enter the code MAJOR, and you will get 30% off the cost. So with Stephen, good deal. 30% less wood. 30% less wood. <laughs> But oh, the sound no. is wonderful no. on these things. All the wood, just thirty yes. percent less. Yes, price. That's right. <laughs> Tweakedaudio.com is where you need to go. Sure, I'll get an email on this one. So pulling their <laughs> sponsorship. <laughs> Let Some us talk. Oh man, I got a nice little check the other day from them. They were like, "Here you go." 
Put it right into the account, and every little bit helps. They are wonderful earbuds. Well, there you go. Okay, and we don't do work. this very often for a variety of different reasons. What's that? But let us talk about Power Rangers. <laughs> Matthew's favorite uh, version of Power Rangers, I believe, Power Rangers Super Samurai. Incorrect. Paper Cuts has a <laughs> series of Power Rangers books going on based on the Super Samurai uh, television series. Uh, we're taking a look at Volume 1, Memory Wipe. This is, in fact, my least favorite incarnation. What? Yes. Just the other day you were like going, oh, man, I love these Power Rangers so much. I wish I could be a Super Samurai. <laughs> oh, man, I love these Power Rangers too much. So, Matthew, this give is, us a... This is what, this is, don't worry, Matthew. This is what everybody sounds like in Stephen's head. Like, oh, man, I'm going to read a comic about Fruit Ninjas. Hey, <laughs> So, Matthew, give us, a, give us a Steven, rundown. Stephen hears the same thing that Pat's here. Blah, 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 Stephen. Blah, 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 Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Matthew, give us, a, give us a breakdown of not Power Rangers, but Power Rangers Super, Super Samurai. Super Samurai. Well, as you know, the Power Rangers are usually a group of teenagers with altitudes, and each of them has kind of a thing. The Samurai Rangers are five teenagers who are basically the descendants of of legendary samurai who have defended the earth for like 25 generations. Wow, cool. Such. Yeah. The super samurai is season two, where you get a power up. And uh, I think they saved uh, an extra life, too. They got that in book three. Although I may be thinking of Scott Pilgrim. And the, the super samurai are these guys who are super and samurai-like. And they have the usual leader who is red, second in command who is blue, Yellow wild card, pink who is the girl, and green who is kind of a clown. And then these guys have a sixth ranger, the gold samurai ranger, who is a putz of colossal galactic order. And what is he? He's like octopus is his 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 uh, zord. Octazord is what it says. That's cool. That's Octazord. you know I will say this about uh, this book, and I'm sorry I got the title wrong. It's uh, not memory wipe. It's memory short. Memory. Short. Um, what's really cool is if you don't know anything about it, in the first couple of pages, it mm -hmm. gives you pictures of the the Rangers from the TV series and gives you right. a uh, little bio on them and tells you what their element is, what their Zord is, what their symbol is. Um, Shows picture. you their, their uniform and what it looks like in real life. Yeah, right? yeah. And I think it Which, works. It, I think this is really important because then when you do transition into the um, manga-esque stylings, Mm -hmm. You still want to make sure that you recognize those characters. And mm -hmm. I think the thing that really helps set that apart is their different hairstyles. That's really the only thing, I think. To some degree, yeah. I, I think that, well, first of all, from the from the very first page, I'm like, wow, this this is kind of fun. Because the first words spoken in the issue are, welcome to the Deep Gorge Park, named after the really deep gorge behind the park. I, I, <laughs> how can you not love that? How can you not love that? Well, I think the only thing that can top it off is when the leader of the band is like, all right, we're dedicating the, the show to our heroes, the Power Rangers. And the Power Rangers are all in the front row, all saying, man, isn't this kind of crazy? Because he doesn't even know that we're the Power Rangers and we're here. And she says aloud yes. in a crowd of people. <laughs> yes. Clearly shouting over the music. Yes. <laughs> so, so what is what's the big bad in this uh, Power Rangers uh, Super Samurai series, Matthew? Oops, did we lose everybody? 
I'm here. Well, there cool. you're there. Oh, there's Matthew. Kind of thing of a hi. How are there you? you go. So, who are the bad guys in this uh, Super Samurai series? Master Zandred. Am I, am I here? Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You're here. Hello. One time, I woke up covered in blood. I was like, "Hello." Um. Anyway, <laughs> yes, Master Zandred, who is this uh, evil alien thingama from uh, Beyond the Pale. And the leader of the Nylocks, which basically, I want to say Nylocks are, um, I th- I believe it's actually Latin for rubber monster. Hmm. Yeah. So what's, what's their deal? I mean, what are they trying to do? I mean, here I'm the trying Nylocks to approach trying this for, to take over for those, the world. for those three of you who have never watched Power Rangers out in our listening audience. <laughs> I'm trying to set the tone for, uh, are, for what happens here. Are, are, are you mocking me? No, I'm just saying Power Rangers is very popular, and probably a lot of people already know Power Rangers, so maybe we don't even need to dispense with some of the backstory to Zandred make sense Zandred is a this, bad guy from thing. another dimension who wants to basically take over the Earth yeah, yeah. and steal all the water, basically, so that he can steal the water back to their land, which used to be all ocean, but is now dry and, and horrible. Hmm. So they, what, send like a brain monster in through a portal? They send a monster is of that, the week. This week is it's a it, brain monster. Is that how it is in the TV series? They just pop out of a portal somewhere? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. I Honestly, I don't watch a lot of Super Samurai. Okay, I've so only seen it in Japanese. I'm going to say this, and it'll probably offend everybody who's a Power Rangers uh, fan. Uh, I read this comic, and I've probably seen half a dozen Power Rangers episodes, mainly because Amy Jo Johnson was in them. <laughs> but this seemed to be a very typical Power Rangers episode. Am I mistaken in that? I'd agree I'm gonna, with that. I'm, I'm going to say, oh. no, that seems about right. Uh, absolutely. But but I think that the funny thing is, is that you think that's offensive. Um, I don't think I think yeah. that if if a Power Ranger fan picks up this comic and looks at it, they're like, oh, my God, this is exactly like a Power Rangers episode in comic book. Four. Well, but I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm I guess it, it may appear that I'm just dismissing it as well. This is just a typical episode. Monster appears, Power Rangers fight. Monster grows to gigantic proportions. They fight. Right. End mm-hmm. of story. Everyone's happy. And so I'm not trying to be dismissive, but that seems to be the, you know, the cookie cutter approach to telling these kinds of stories. And, I, you know, somebody's going to go, oh, no, no, no. It's much deeper than that. No, I don't think this is. No, I think this no, is aimed know. at a young enough audience that it's designed to be kind of entry level comics. I yeah, think yeah, this yeah. is aimed at readers like, you know, people Zach's age and younger who aren't necessarily in any way attached to the comics form the way. I mean, you can't like wander into SNS drugs and pick up a comic. In a lot of ways, these days, to become a comics fan, you have to be either exposed to a comics fan like my kid or you have to go and find something that you like like x-files or xena or gears of war right. whatever it is in that comic book sign and i think this is designed to give us that basic understandable approachable power rangers adventure mm-hmm. for the fans of power rangers who you know this may be one of their first if not their oh first sure fans. sure sure so uh, the big bad monster hits Jaden, the red ranger and wipes his memory. Brain. Yeah, it completely wipes his brain out, which took all of five minutes. Jaden, not particularly bright. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> and of course, by the end of the episode, he remembers who he is. Fight, fight, fight. Pow, pow, pow. So let me ask you, Matthew, you said this was targeted towards people of Zach's age and younger. Is this not targeted towards... Is, is this going to be of interest to mega fans, Matthew or Rodrigo? See, here's, here's what you're looking at. 
in Japan, <laughs> the Super Sentai franchise is aimed at kids, you know, tweeners, you're 8 to 12, and their families. Sure. In a lot of cases, their parents, their mm-hmm. uncles, their, you know, weird guy who works at the comic shops. Mm-hmm. And I think that Power Rangers, when the American translation, certainly this season, is aimed at the tween and younger market. Mm. And I think that that tween and younger market, you know, this is where this is supposed to be for them. This is something that's aimed, I believe, at kids who definitely know how to read. Yeah. Kids who are into oh, that whole, right. you know, uh, I, it's not Hannah Montana anymore because Hannah Montana is like 23 years old. But like your ant farm and your dog with a blog sort of, you know, level. That 9 to 12 to 15, I haven't quite gotten into girls and boys yet, but I'm at a point where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm understanding a little bit more. I don't want to say sophisticated or adult, but whatever the right synonym would be for a story that takes that step up, that adds that level of, you know, the drama, the interaction. Rodrigo, you have anything to add on to this? No, I think, that? I, I think that there is that gap. I think that for, Super duper Power Rangers fans, regardless of the age, they're going to love this because it is it is actually like you are reading a Power Rangers episode. Um, I think that young kids will enjoy it because it's actiony and adventure and there's a funny brain monster and he's the bad guy and he's pretty inoffensive all around. Yeah. Um, but then there's that gap of people who either aren't into Power Rangers or are probably a little older and this is a very basic story and it takes a full volume to tell, you know, what is essentially a half an hour Power Rangers episode. Yeah. And, um, and using this monster, you know, more than just being the monster of the week, it also gives them a chance to integrate into the story everything you would need to know about these six kids mm-hmm. and the history of yeah. their, their Power Rangers. Right, and, right. You know, how you get to be a Shinkenger or a Power Ranger Samurai or whatever you want to call yourself, how the fight started, the history of the whole thing. It's, I mean, it's really well integrated. Cool. Cool, cool. Now, Zach, what about you? You're, uh, are you a Power Rangers fan? Uh, of the original series. The Amy Jo Johnson? Yeah. Okay. I haven't watched anything after that. <laughs> the Amy Jo Johnson? The Amy Jo Johnson show? I, th- I thought that's what the yes. name of the show was, the Amy Jo Johnson show. <laughs> Uh, I believe in some some, so for someone who's a fan of the original series yeah did you did you like this I mean did this story kind of bring you back to uh, Power Rangers days or make you want to read more it became fairly evident like oh this is just going to be a standard Power Rangers show but that's fine because I watched the old original series I'm like I know what every episode's going to be but I still watch it because one it's really funny and not like on purpose generally and two, there's just some nostalgia factor that I like having um, those memories of watching the old shows and then karate chopping my way through the house. And yeah, yeah. so that's what I did this afternoon after I read this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that everybody, I mean, okay, so now I feel not so dismissive of this book because it is, it still fits right along with that model that people are expecting. Right. Sure. Um, now, my son, the oldest, um, has this book in print, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's flipped through it a couple times. He is maybe not a fan of the Super Samurai. I think he watches the, uh, what's the motorcycle rider one, Matthew? Kamen Rider? Yes. Um, the one, wasn't that the one just before this one? No, the one before this would have been uh, RPM. Yeah, that's the 
that's one where they uh, the first episode one kid where, has a motorcycle yeah, yeah, yeah one that's kid it has a yeah yeah that's the one and then he also likes the one that's in the jungle that would be jungle fury yeah so it's a, it's always a problem because every time I I see that I want to call it Power Rangers Jungle Fever <laughs> right <laughs> but I think that would Spike be a very different power. show yes you know okay. what I would like that <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so this isn't a bad, I mean, this is a, a typical story. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for anything deep, but as you said, Rodrigo, this tells us everything that we need to know in 64 pages. Mm-hmm. And, noth- and nothing else. Nothing extraneous. No. But, you know, the, the, I will tell you, as someone who reads a lot of comics and someone who has a problem with adaptation of comics to film and film to comics and TV to comics to film comics back to tv they did one thing perfectly right which is their uniforms and helmets are extremely well drawn throughout so nobody is ever off model right but that's what because this is a licensed property my bet is that this has to go through some approval process when the oh, pages I've come in. Previous licensed Power Ranger comics, where you were lucky to tell if they weren't colored, you would not know the difference. Oh, okay. This is very well done in terms of the art style. In terms of just the the heroes' transformation sequences mm-hmm. are all true to life. The Oh, actual yeah, yeah. ones that you see on television. Mm-hmm. The costume designs are very well handled. And the thing that you have to know about the the samurai, their face plates, yeah. each one of their face plates is a specific Japanese kanji. Yeah, I didn't real really recognize I mean, um the boy has the Red Ranger mask. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been trying to talk me into the blue one. Yeah. Um the, but yeah, I didn't I didn't make that connection main... until I was looking here in the book and saw the uh-huh. uh, the, the symbol yeah. with the mask. They're not perfect throughout but their kanjis remain recognizable as yeah, the yeah. symbols are supposed to be which is probably the most difficult part i imagine for you know what i presume to be a, an american comics artist did you like the art rodrigo i did um this you know this is uh, the interesting thing about power rangers to comics from tv to comics is that you don't have the, the the problem that you get in the opposite direction. You know, we always talk about, oh, what are they going to do with Spider-Man's costume when they go to the screen? What are they going to do with Thor's weird buttons? What are they going to do with, you know, is the Hulk going to wear purple pants? But when you already have an action-adventure franchise with cool costumes, you bring it into the comic book, you already have all that stuff done for you. All you need is an artist who is talented enough to be able to pull it off consistently. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and I don't know who the artist is on this. Um, Paulo Enrique. Yeah, I think he does a fantastic job. And like Matthew said, like all all the way through, the helmets are very impressive. Um, the the I like that the brain monster. I don't know if he's based on a Power Rangers monster that has actually appeared or not, but he looks oh, like yeah, a yeah. big, yeah, exactly. stupid rubber monster. Except <laughs> in this one, he gets to have like, a various range yeah. of emotional <laughs> gestures, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is nice. And I know that some of the, as the series has gone on, the monsters have gotten more complex and they can like frown and smile and stuff. And that's fine. But I mean, this guy manages to pull off, not just looking like a weird freaky brain monster, but also kind of looking like a guy in a suit, which is yep. again, kind of what I wanted. The only yep. thing that this comic book 
doesn't seem to have, and I could have just missed it, um, is um, all of them shouting out right at once, <laughs> which is something that Power Rangers do. <laughs> Somebody shouts out something that they should do, and the Megazord rest of them, sequence activated. Right. right. Exactly. They all just nod in unison and say right. Um, in Japan, they just nod silently. Oh, there you go. So that's what about what about you, Zach? You like the you like the art? Yeah, that was. You like the pretty pictures? Yeah, there was. I like the character designs. I'm not not really. They don't have any choice of that. But I liked the the way it looked. I had some issues with. Um, there was issue sometimes when the background would just go to a solid like green or like a weird like gradient thing, and mm-hmm. that worked for the most part. But sometimes it, uh, really, either blended in too much or clashed in some weird way that made my eyes hurt. I can Especially see that. When they, like when they were on, when they went to the River of Tears, wherever that realm was, they did a background of all green and bad monster guy was yelling at other bad monster guy and just looked yeah, that, not that good. That's Master Zandred, by the way. Okay. At, at Octoru. He, so he, he, he was not very... Sidekick, yeah. For being very prominent as a bad guy. He wasn't in the issue very much, which again... Like in the original issues, Rita well, was never really in the in the episodes that often. Right, he's the big bad, the overarching yeah. bad. You don't Again, fight just, him until episode forty eight. Just right off the bat, like that's like I was I was so into this in a in a meta sense because this is so Power Rangers. I mean, yeah. it's weird because it's a comic and it's like so. Here are these monsters that are all like we are monsters, rah, rah, rah. And what do they do? They sit there and spy on the Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that they can come up with some weird thematic way to attack them. Yeah. Like, as opposed to pursuing their own goals. And granted, their goals, you know, cross over into destroying the Power Rangers, and that makes sense. Um, but also, it's like, you know, you'd go a long way to uh, inconveniencing the Power Rangers if you just went to the media and told people who they are, (laughs) which, which the monsters clearly know, but never think to do. Uh, Matthew was impressed with the character design. Rodrigo liked the fact that the rubber monster looked like a rubber monster. I liked it that when they were in their, um, what is it? Giant size or Megazord size that, uh, the buildings look like cardboard buildings. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's very important. Very, very important and very well done. Yeah, it, it was. So from art, you know, I'm not a fan of Power Rangers. I'll admit that. Uh, but I didn't hate this book. I thought it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of different reasons from a kid perspective reason, of, you know, a father son sharing some some time together kind of moments to uh, Zach. Um, he's talking about you oh, so to, uh, um, you know, to just, you know, this is what I thought it was. You know, I wasn't disappointed in it. So I'm going to say, yeah, go out and pick it up. If you're a fan of the Power Rangers, uh, don't be afraid of this book. Matthew, what about you? This to me is the way I describe an entry-level comic book. This is good. It is very well drawn. The story is coherent. The characters, the voices are unique enough to where if you're familiar with the actors, you can go, okay, I can definitely see that's that's Jaden because Jaden is a jerk. You know, you go through the issue. It's... It ain't Watchmen, but it's not supposed to be Watchmen. And for what it is, it is a very, very successful and very well done licensed comic of a kid's TV show. You know, you can say, well, is it successful as a comic? Yes. 
Is it successful as a licensed comic? It's very good as a licensed comic. And as a licensed comic based on a kid's show, I mean, in that genre, this may actually be Watchmen. It doesn't it doesn't revert rubber or, or rubber or monster gut burst on the sidewalk. <laughs> uh, but, you you know, based on what I've read in a lot of these kids adaptations, this is very good. This is awesome. And you know what? The girls are kind of cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rodrigo, it's kind what of about you? Archie, Archie style. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That Kevin Keller style that they're doing. Yeah. Rodrigo, what, what about you? What are your thoughts on this book overall? Uh, overall, I think if you have any enjoyment of Power Rangers, um, you will find that thing that you enjoy here. Um, unless you're the only thing you enjoy about Power Rangers is the music. Which you will also won't find in a lot of others, because if what you like about Power Rangers is that original Power Rangers, go, go Power Rangers song, it gets pretty warped by, you know, eight seasons in, in or whatever they're in, but uh, or 20. Um, but, uh, if you like the stupid little fights, it's there. If you want to analyze this, uh, from a kind of a meta perspective, there's a lot here, um, of, you know, what choices that the authors make to bring from the TV show to the comic. And what does that say about kind of this? little tiny genre that is power rangers right no uh, there's there's a lot here to look at to enjoy so if you like power rangers at all i think you'll enjoy it if you don't then i think you won't because this is going to be a very straightforward kind of boring story that actually takes a long time to tell yeah zach what about you final thoughts yeah i agree with pretty much everything you guys have said if you like power rangers this would be a fun little read to have uh, some afternoon because it's it's fun and it follows the formula but that's the formula we love and if if you don't love it then you probably don't love power rangers and i don't really know if this is like in the show or not but i love how the monster dies and like just wait it's gonna come back bigger and we're gonna have to fight it again yeah yeah yep so they always do how many of you read volume two because volume two i think is coming out or is just out how many of you I read the second volume? I have not got a chance. I read it. So what's your assessment of volume two, Zach? Different quick, art style. Different. I'm going to assume probably different artists because it looked a lot different. More of the same. Okay. I mean, it's the same. More of the I mean, it's Instead the same of thing. Instead of guy, it's Ziggy Picky. Yeah, there's Matthew, action you, figures that come together and fight. Matthew, you read this second volume too? <laughs> I actually glossed it. Okay. Same reaction? Very similar. And again, the same response from me is it's good. It is, it's strong stuff. All right, cool. All right, listeners, that is Power Rangers Super Samurai Volume 1 Memory Short. It's from Paper Cuts, um, Paper Cuts Entertainment, Paper Cuts, papercuts.com with a Z. Paper Cuts. Yep. They're the guys who did them Smurfs. Yep, they're the ones that are reprinting the Smurfs. They're also, they're also the guys who did the Annoying Orange comic. Yes. Oh. I can't hold that against them. Can't I? <laughs> Are you certain I can't? Because they, they did do a pretty a pretty decent Power Rangers comic. Yeah. Um, All right, okay. everyone. That wraps it up for this issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of Major Spoilers. 
Next week, uh, we've got something up our sleeves. I'm sure some interesting comic that everyone will want to read. Maybe the first volume of uh, The Flash with Mark Wade. Why? Because Zach needs to read some good comics, <laughs> and we know that you do too. So we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Batman's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. What I really even need to keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king side throwing Spoilers is copyright 2013.